Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. And welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. Hi, everybody. Hey, dude. How you doing? Super. Thanks for asking. Tell me about the kids. Still passing it around? A little bit. It's, it's more like just lingering cough and cold, but they're functioning. They're fine. Yeah, the three granddaughters are passing it around between them and their parents. And now my other grandson has got this snotty nose, the runs, you name it. You can't get away from it. Yeah. But, but you, you know what I'm excited about? Yeah. Uh, not, that, not that they're a sponsor or anything, but I got the HelloFresh again. Because they sent me a coupon. Oh, my. I made Korean food. And it was awesome. I am really proud of you. I'm proud that you tried. I'm just telling people it's really cool. And what, what what did you make? I made a bibimbap, it's called. It's like a, people know, like, no Korean food know what that is. It's got beef in it and vegetables and rice. And they I was pickling jalapenos and all Ooh, that Oh, it stuff. sounds delish. Did it turn out delish? Yeah, it's really good. Wow. Everything I made from them is really good. Are so. you, like, secretly getting money from HelloFresh behind my back? No, um. Uh, wow. Well, let's change Whoa, the subject. Oh, yeah. Ah, a little <laughs> bit crazier there. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to jump right in today to our interviews because <laughs> this is a one tough mother first. We have, well, no, we've had three women on the show before, but not three women who are actually from the same family. Could be iffy. No, <laughs> just kidding. Our first introduction today is Jeanette, or is Dr. Jeanette Nishwat, right? She's a top family emergency medical doctor. She's also a no-nonsense, the latest medicine news. She's got it going on, breaking down everything you need to know about you and how to stay healthy and your family as well. An ER doctor who's worked on the front lines of disaster relief for the Red Cross, she shares her knowledge with TV audiences on Fox, Whoa, CBS, Big, MSNBC, Good Morning America, to name a million other places. She's also been publicized in, like, Prevention, Insider, Yahoo. You name it. She's everywhere. What I love and what I was excited here, she completed U.S. Army Advanced Officer Training at Fort Lewis, Washington, because, you know, I'm a former military woman. Not a a member. I was a military wife. And prior to becoming a family and emergency room physician, she's led medical relief missions around the globe. Thank you, Dr. Jeanette. Thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure. Man, you are just rocking. The second woman we're going to bring in on this little story I've got going on is her sister. She's going to have the dirt on her. I know this. Jacqueline Stepp is her sister. It's Dr. Jeanette's sister. Jacqueline's a former beauty queen and child author. She's given notice... She's given voice to a platform promoting promoting youth empowerment, multicultural appreciation, women's issues in global society, and volunteerism. Shared titles include, and I don't have a title, but here they are. You are your one tough mother. That's a title. That's a title. But she's Miss, she's the former Miss New York USA, 
Mrs. Florida America, and the first runner-up for Miss America, or Mrs. Wow. America. That's crazy, right? I always forgot about I, that. I should just go for that, but whatever. So without mm-hmm. further delay, I want to welcome these amazing women, but I have one more woman that you're not going to believe. Not only do I bring the sisters in on this, which I thought was going to be all badass and tough mother, I brought their mom. Yep. That's right. Our third amazing woman on the One Tough Mother Show today is Hyatt Nishwa, Jeanette and Jacqueline's mom, and she's really going to have the dirt. She's a retired pediatric orthopedic nurse and the former orthopedic director at John Hopkins, a young widow who raised five, count them this, you and I have four, she has five, she upped us, dude. You win. Five children encouraging courage, determination, and never giving up attitude, as well as being grateful for what you have, which is huge. Hyatt's worked multiple jobs to care for them and always wanting to ensure that they had a good education. It's with such pleasure that I welcome these kick-ass, badass, tough mothers to our show, beautiful Dr. Jeanette, Jacqueline, and Mother Hyatt. Hi, ladies. Hey there. Hi Thanks there. for having us. Thank oh, you. super excited. Let's talk. I want to start with you, Dr. Jeanette. Let's talk about you for the beginning. Let us know a little bit about you. Tell us, um, where'd you grow up and where'd you go to school? So I grew up in a small town called Umatilla in Lake County, Florida. You ever hear of it? Never. We had a population of about 2,000 people. Okay. So I went to USF uh, in Tampa, and then from there I went off uh, to medical school. I did my residency at the University of Arkansas Medical Sciences just outside Little Rock, which was a blast because we have the the Razorbacks football team there. And I don't know if you're into college football, but it was definitely, uh, you know, Big time. All three of my sons played college football. Oh, wow. So you know what it's like. It's like almost a a cult, but it was a blast. I worked partially as, you know, the Razorback team doctor and worked in rural small town ERs and was able to take care of patients who were um, in great need, underprivileged. So it was definitely uh, a blessing and an honor to be able to do that. Wow. And, and raised with a lot of siblings, right? Yes. we Five of us in a house with one bathroom. Oh, oh. boy. Yeah, we <laughs> went through that. I'm totally with you, honey. That was a lot of fun, right? <laughs> I'm in that now. <laughs> that was totally tough. get it. You know, what's funny to me is when I read a little bit of your background, I, I like I said, I raised three daredevil sports nut sons, all played all the way football, all the way through college, and a daughter. And we had a trip to the ER like every week. It was like Always in the ER. So for you to be an ER doctor, ER sees it all, knows it all. Like, that's crazy. Why ER? I, you know, I almost wanted to, as you said earlier, I completed advanced arm, uh, uh, officer training camp in Fort Lewis, Washington. I wanted to be an Army doctor and follow in my sister's footsteps, uh, Julia, who's uh, served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And um, but I ended up going to medical school. But I my mom inspired me to, you know, give back to the community and serve. And I figured what's the best way to provide immediate relief to those in need, whether it be a heart attack or asthma exacerbation or a laceration or pneumonia or broken bone. It was just so fulfilling to be able to provide almost instant relief to these people in need. But I, I also did family medicine as well. So a little bit of both. So got to t- deliver babies and, you know, take care of our seniors and just have the, that variety that kept you on your toes. So I think it, it, it all stemmed from my mom, who's a, who's a nurse, 
a pediatric nurse, and uh, she just really inspired me to to go into medicine and to take care of others. Well, Dr. Jeanette, it's obvious that that you're the kind of person that that thrives on energy. I mean, you can feel your energy. I felt your energy the minute you walked in the door. You have a great energy. You you have a great presence. And the fact that you were military and that you did some um, global missions and, you know, you've done a lot with the Red Cross means a lot to me and a lot to this country because a lot of people just don't do those things anymore. And it's sad that it, that it's such a... We're such a great country when we all pull together, and that's evident, or that's evident from nine eleven in mm-hmm. New York and what can happen. Absolutely. Um, just to clarify, it's my older sister Julia. She's the one that actually went overseas. Okay. Captain Julia. She served active duty. I, I completed the training, okay. but I chose to go off to medical school and serve in that manner. But it was still such an amazing experience in Fort Lewis, Washington. Um, to be able to do the the advanced officer training camp, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Being a part of it for just even a short period of time is like I had a second family. So um, the camaraderie was just unbelievable. That's amazing. And, and you know, I want to ask you now. Okay, so you're one of five, and your father passed away when you were young? Yes. So I was 13 when my dad passed away in an accident, and my dear mom... Um, raised the five of us. My little youngest sister was eight, and my older sister um, was a year older than me. So it was tough, but, you know, we, we have come from a, a Christian, close-knit family. We stuck together, and, and by the grace of God, with family and support of friends, we stuck together and went, uh, you know, continued to go to school, go to college, try to give back to the community, work hard, stay focused, and um, make the most of what we had, even though it was definitely a tragedy uh, in our life. It was really difficult. And so for, for young girls or young women, or, or anyone actually listening to this show, that, that I, I hate to say this, but divorce is rampant. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of single-family homes now. I mean, a lot, 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 lot. So what do you tell these young girls? What do you tell these women? What do you, how do you advise them as to following their dreams and going for what they, ha- they want in life? Absolutely. So follow your heart. Always do what's right. Don't just get married just for the sake of having the title. You know, go with your gut. Listen to your your mom. <laughs> Mama really does always know best. And it's always a good idea to get stable, get situated, follow your do your you know, go to college, finish school, plan and organize. That's all. That's usually, in my opinion, what I found to be what works best for me and my siblings. Okay. What do you think? And um. So, when you were raising them, Hyatt, what was the toughest part, really? What was the hardest part for you? Um, Because I want to see if you and I have the same kind of... Yes. First of all, I just want you to know I just feel so choked up because I'm so proud and happy to be invited here. Because I'd like to tell my story because I want to inspire parents, young parents and people out there that you know if i could do it you could do it too and and the biggest challenge that i had raising my children was peer pressure because when they were with me in my home you know i would beef up their confidence and i would lead by example and uh you know between work church and kids it was a constant and uh i exposed them to volunteerism i exposed them to you know th- spirituality but when they left me to go to school for those eight hours 
That's what I was being challenged by because kids out there, no matter what, no matter how great and good they are, no matter how wonderful of a parent you think you are, they want to belong. They want to be a part. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of racism. There's a lot of discrimination. And uh, that's that's the challenge that I was facing. And to combat that, what I did was I, I just made my my presence known. For example, even though I worked at the hospital, during my lunch hour, I would leave and I would go to the high school and I would bring a sub sandwich or a pizza or whatever, just so I can make my presence known to the others around them. And believe me, there were times when, you know, kids would say to my kids, you know, your mother needs to get a life, you know, she's here all the time, until finally, they were hearing you know, you're so lucky. Your mother comes all the time. My parents never stepped foot on this campus. Or listen, since your mom has come, can she take a couple of orders for us? And then the other thing I would do is always invite my home to any child, any of their friends. I wouldn't let them sleep over, but I would ha- allow anybody else that would come to our house to sleep over. So many times I had many kids in my home, and, you know, we opened up our heart and our home to them. And uh, till today, some of those children write me back. And uh, some sweet notes, you know, oh, that's from their amazing. childhood. Hi, I totally appreciate you because being a single mother for the biggest part of my children's lives, when you are working to put food on the table, when you have one bathroom, when you have one car, and, and they do leave you, and they go into school, and they go into college, it's a big pressure for you. It's a total pressure, and I totally feel that from your heart because you try. There's only so much you can do. And yes. you try so hard yes. to hope and hope to God that they're going to turn out the way that you would want them. I know I used to say to my kids, I just want you to be kind, be good, be good to people and, and be kind for who you are. And, and these things are important. But, you know, another another thing that I found extremely important is you must, as a parent, lead by example. If you don't want your kids to smoke, you cannot smoke. If you don't want them to curse, you cannot curse. I mean, not to sound like I'm, you know, almighty, but... But the other thing is very strong in our Christian faith, and uh, we made sure that, you know, church was an obligation every Sunday. And then teaching them, you know, to give back, actually taking them with me to the children's hospital where I worked, and they got to see kids that can't walk or kids with missing limbs or kids that, uh, you know, had cancer. And it taught them, you know, for the longest time, our motto in our home you know, I was sorry that I had no shoes until I met the man that had no feet. Right. And uh, and they really enjoyed being able to give back. And even a literacy program for adults in Lake County where, where I volunteered, I would take them with me. And they would see grown men and women that didn't know how to read and didn't know how to write. So to sharpen pencils or, you know, to sit there and watch or help them with the alphabet or newcomers to the country, at that time, that was very meaningful for the children growing up. And you start that early. Right. You know, even at 8, 9, 10, it just gives a sense of purpose and a fulfillment like you cannot imagine. Fabulous life lessons. And right now, we have Jacqueline on the phone from Mexico. Hey, Jacqueline. Hi, how are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. How's Mexico? Uh, it's lovely. It's a, a quick little business trip. I'm loving this beautiful warm weather with my son. Oh, that is so amazing. So we talked a little bit um, to Dr. Jeanette, your sister, and your mom, but I want to talk to you for just a moment. I want to get a little bit of your past because you're an author, correct? Yes, yes, a children's book author. Yes, I love it. So you're a former beauty queen. 
that went into being a children book, children's book author. And your first book's title, Wacky Jackie, was something I thought was really cute. Tell us about it. Oh, um, you know, once again, this is a project inspired by my mom, who was my, my coach and my partner. Um, as a young child, um, I did some pageants, and I was always kind of the ugly duckling, and people mistake me for a boy very often. And my mom put me in my little first mall pageant, and I didn't win, but it was a really cool experience, and um, I kept continuing on and doing some training. But the book is about a true story. When I was a little girl and going through bullying and, um, you know, my Middle Eastern culture uh, at school and in the pageantry world was very different from most kids. I would bring hummus to school and kids would bring peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So it's just a cute little story for young kids about embracing who you are and what makes you different, makes you special. But once again, just inspired by our incredible mom who um, was my backbone and really helped me get this off the ground. And um, it's, it's been a really cool experience. I love sharing the story with kids. And and you are also, you're involved in a lot of um, children and youth empowerment projects and multicultural, you know, appreciation things. Tell us, like, what advice do you have for kids and young women and, and or boys listening or, or parents listening, what hoping to help their kids how do you how do we get past the bullying how do we get past the insults what do you have as advice for them yeah that that's such a really important topic today and um it, it's 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 something adults can learn and children can learn and you know for us we grew up with humble beginnings um we didn't have very much we were a family of five we shared one bathroom with like four girls so it was really difficult we you know we we worked with what we had, but as far as um, the bullying, you know, with parents, it's very important to lead by example, and it's super important to listen to your children, um, even if you don't always agree with them. Just be a good listener. And, you know, with children, usually kids who bully are kids who are being bullied at home or by someone else. You know, they learn what they're taught. Right. And, um, right. You know, we've got to be more compassionate and understanding and not be so quick to just discipline. Right. It's becoming such a serious issue. So many kids are are taking their lives. You know, we've lost patience and kindness today. And um, it's just really important that we're, we're vigilant. If we see a child that's isolated or acting out a lot, there's probably a reason behind that. So it's, it's not just this, this, the teachers and students, it's the parents. It's a, it takes a village and it's a team effort to really tackle this issue right and you know what you just hit on something i want to talk to you and your sister about and it's it's suicide childhood suicide all of a sudden see i don't know if it's because we are so much more open with social media these days i don't know if it's because we didn't realize it when you and i were younger hyatt if it was around i'd never heard about my kids friends you know committing suicide how do we help? How do we stop? How do we how do we get to these kids and say, you're not alone. You're just a child. Let us help you. What do we do about that? I, I think it's important what Jacqueline hit upon is we really need to be good listeners. You don't just have to be a parent to listen. Be a friend and listen. Be a neighbor and listen. Sometimes kids send messages that we miss. And so letting them know that they're loved or they have a support or 
if a child knows that they have somebody that they can go to, whether it be a good teacher or somebody at church or, you know, a neighbor next door or the mailman for that matter, they need that, they need that support system. And it's when they feel, I feel, they don't have that. There's the sense of hopelessness and helplessness. Right. And so they seclude themselves. And and Jacqueline always says, we need more love. But as a doctor, I always, you know, tell my, my patients, my parents, look for signs of, you know, change in their behavior, not sleeping, not eating, failing grades, anything that's different or out of the ordinary. Um, those are the sometimes the clues that you can uh, use to really look and dig a little deeper to see what's going on in their lives. Are they on drugs? Are they being bullied? Um, sadly, social media is a platform for bullying and harassment. Horribly. And with young kids, it can really take a, a serious toll and, and cause a lot of anxiety, depression, and it's something we definitely need to, to tackle. And when, when Dr. Jack, I mean, Dr. Jeanette, when you see it, how, do you address it with the child first or do you address it with the parent both. We do both. Uh, we even get the teachers involved. And, um, you know, the priority is the safety of, of the students. And, um, you know, also looking at what's going on at home. Is it being dealt with in a, in a, in a manner that's going to uh, benefit both the student and also te- see if there's a, a grounds for teaching, um, educating uh, at school. Okay. That's always very important um, to and- have that campaign of no bullying, right. no tolerance. And ja- and um, Jacqueline, in in your passing, in your in in your circles, and in your writing, and in other contact with other authors, and 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 the people that you promote, and the people that you help, what do you find is is important as far as this this epidemic of uh, suicide? You know, the family unit, I, I see a lot of, um, and even with my, my Charm Foundation, working with children, I see a lot of the family unit being broken up. And to be honest with you, there's no more grandma. There's no more of the good old-fashioned morals and values and ethics in the home. It's a lot of broken homes. Uh, the kids aren't getting the tools they need for life, for school, for interaction. They're growing up too fast. But I feel like um, it's, it starts in the home is where the problem is. is these kids are in broken homes. I think that's a great point because I, I obviously divorce is so so um, it's everywhere and or broken homes or parents just splitting up. And the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is, kids are left to their own devices, which is horrible to leave your child yes. to their own devices. It's yeah. a child, which leads me to say, you know, with social media. Parents need to monitor. You really need to monitor. You need to watch. You know, we have a little one at home, a one-year-old that sometimes watches Barney on on the the, the Internet. And every once in a while, an ad pops up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just a simple ad. But, my Lord, you know, what what are you soliciting to, you know, a a one-year-old? So we need to monitor the social media. We need to inquire, what are you doing? What What are you watching? And, you know, limit it if we can. And and with that, you know, you, you don't want to upset your child and you want to keep them happy, but you need to be more of a parent than, than a friend. 
And that's the bottom line. Uh, I, what Seth and I discuss this on a regular basis mm-hmm. with our between ourselves. Your kids are not your friends. Not. Yes. Amen. Not I totally agree. They're not, not your, your friends, friends or your buddies. We need to discipline them. We need. I think they need more discipline. I say that Even too. I don't have just last show, <laughs> Doctor J. Last show we had some a little bit of uh, this, and I said, you know what happened? And I said it on the show. I said parents stop disciplining their children. Now, my yeah. both of my or most of my family is in education, a higher mm-hmm. level education. And they see it; they're expected to discipline your child at school, yeah. and it, it doesn't have to be violence. Just put them, you know, take away their 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 cell phone. Bam! No, you know, TV. Exactly. No car. Exactly. Right, right. There used to be such a, a respect, and I I say this lovingly, and and let me tell you, I'm going to be the first to admit because I've admitted it on air a million times. I spanked my kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so but they had there was a fine line between respect and fear. Yeah. They they knew <laughs> to respect me, and I raised three sons in mm-hmm. the beginning, and then my daughter, and I, Jacqueline. With you, this has got to be a tough one because your husband's mm-hmm. a rock star, right? So he's mm-hmm. he's in a different world completely than most kids. Correct? Yes, yes, and it's such a a, a thin line because you know you want to discipline your kids, but this day and age, the kids can call the police on their parents, and 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 you know cause issues there and and some parents are you know not sure what to do and what's the boundary of disciplining your children right it's Um, it's tough my son's a police officer and he's come home and said to me you know he'll stop for visit and he'll be like mom you know this kid called on his mother because he didn't want to go to school i mean come on you know it's a very (laughs) difficult fine line and for you now you have one son correct i do i have uh, i'm sorry i have two sons oh okay i have a um I have a, a one-year-old and I have an eight-year-old son. Okay. Um, yes. And so you had so, you shelter them from the rock star world? Or? You know, we 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 try to give them a normal life as much as possible. Um, I'm old, you know, we're old-fashioned. I kind of learned from my parents, and I don't see anything wrong when a spanking when it's needed. We're very fortunate to have really good kids that listen and are respectful and just kind. But um, we do try to keep their lives as normal as possible. You know, my mom is amazing and lives with us, and she's been with us the last uh, 13 years. We call her Yamma in our house. But she kind of ke- helps keep everything consistent. You know, You're even making though we mom have cry, Jacqueline. It's tour life and traveling. She's always with us to keep everything consistent, and the schooling and education is a priority. You know, that's a huge, uh, Hyatt, it's such a huge thing because I find it now more and more that, that grandparents are raising children, uh, their children's children because of drugs and because of opiates and all this stuff. It's such a huge responsibility, isn't it? It's, don't you feel weird? Does it different with your grandchildren? You, you know what? Yes and no. I tell people, you know, I'm working on my second five now, my <laughs> grandkids. And, and uh, you, you know what? Um, uh, growing up, you mentioned something about children being either fearful or respectful. You know, I called myself a rough, tough cream puff because I was both dad and mom to them, and there were times when I had to be firm and rough. But you know what? They respect me so much these days, I just couldn't push them off of me with a bat because right. they're so grateful, and they're and they're taking down a lot of the traditions for themselves and the way they, they, uh, they're raising their kids. But uh, as far as I'm concerned with, with my grandkids, I'm just so blessed that, you know what, I'm there in their lives and able to, you know, pass on um, 
morals and values and some of the old-fashioned ways. And you know what? And and they listen and they are respectful. And as far as their dad is concerned, bless his heart. Yes, he's a rock star, but you know what? He at home, he's a hands-on, you know, full-time dad that changes diapers, that does dishes. That cooks and you know what? And picks up dog poop when he has to. Oh, just, so wait, we got to tell it, who it is it now. Just, Jacqueline, can we say who he is? He's amazing. Yeah, sure. Who is he? Uh, he is the lead singer of the rock group Creed. There we go. Yeah. So, so he passes the grandma and, approval and he big time. Oh, he does. Oh, he even listens to you. Good for yes, you. Yes, wow, she special. is one tough mother. Yes. Now I think I should take off my shirt and pass it along. But <laughs> I, I, I'm just so thrilled to have had the three of you Thank on you. my show and so honored to have had such strong, amazing, talented, and heartfelt women in the studio with us today because this is, this is what it's all about. Family is what it's all about. Yes, yes. I used to tell my kids, your friends will come and go, Yes, but you'll always have your brothers and sisters, yes, and that's yes. the way it's going to be. And you don't so always true. agree, yes. and you don't always see eye to eye. You know, I've gotten the phone call, Ma, can you believe what he did? Or, Ma, he did this. You know what? I say, hey, I'm out. <laughs> I did this. I'm done. You guys figure it out yourself. But... um. It's, it's been a real pleasure having you here. Thank, Thank you, you so much Thank for you. not only being on our show, being an amazing mother, but giving us amazing people, amazing um, citizens to follow and enjoy in our lives. Thank you so much. God bless you both. Thank oh, you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you Thank so you. much. Bye-bye. And we'll be back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back. Headaches and headlines. That's right, Karen. Whoa. Oh, God. I what hate happened? when you try to pretend. Are you always trying to pretend NPR type stuff? Uh, NPR is a little quieter. Yeah, it's like, that's right. That's right. This, Karen, today is Headlines and Headaches brought to you by <laughs> Sesame Street. And orange juice. And orange juice. <laughs> Freshly squeezed. All right. Millennial women hit job milestone. All right. The gender gap between Americans aged 25 to 34 who work or are looking for work has never been narrower. Narrower. That's a tough word. Narrower. Narrower. Right. But while, while millennial women are rushing into the job market at levels last seen in 2000 for those in their age group, participation by young men hasn't returned to pre-recession levels. Female millennials accounted for 86% of growth in the workforce of prime-aged women, those 25 to 54 years old, in the last two years. Wait, where? Because you know what? I don't, I mean, you see a lot of stuff out there, but you don't, oh, never mind. I'm not even going to get into it. Go ahead, get into it, Karen. Well, it takes Let me off. Tell me how you feel. Like, I mean, I put out how many, like, consulting resumes and stuff, and people are like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm. It's still, it's still like, you still got to figure out a way to get your foot in the door. You still have to, like, uh, be on LinkedIn and try to like talk to people on there. It's it's a hustle. It is a hustle, dude. Yeah. You know, you just went through it. It's a huge yeah. hustle. I sure did. And it's just like literally one of the places I try to get a job at. I knew someone. And she walked me over to the hiring manager. That's how I like. That's how that. That's like, how you do it. Like we just basically knocked the door down. Yeah. Excellent. Um. Well, I ended up working in somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> You're uh, such a jerk. <laughs> drones to be allowed over crowds. Don't like this. Do not like Why, this. Why, Karen? Why? What's the big deal? Because I told you when I was laying on the beach with the kids and mm. those drones were over top of us, I didn't like that. That's kind of like invasion of privacy. Wait, wait. What are you talking about drones with the kids? Oh, with the grandkids. Yeah. Oh. 
Commercial drones would be allowed to fly over crowds and at night under proposed rules by the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration. The rules, which apply to unmanned aircraft under 55 pounds, would eliminate the need for operators to obtain waivers for such maneuvers. The regulations would also call for increased operator training, installation of anti-collision lights, and use of materials that prevent injuries, especially from rotating parts. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried about ISIS. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're just giving terrorists and horrible people another way to kill people. Why do they have to follow us? Why do they have to look at us? Why do they have to constantly be how about, under surveillance? How about they just attach attach something that can blow up on the drone and just blow it right into the part and the beach? I got right a 22, dude. I tell you, drone over my property, it's going down. All right, Grandma. <laughs> Better get that drone off my property right now. Get that drone out of my airspace now. Otherwise, you're going to be kindling for my fireplace. You got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one other thing about this. Uh, the fastest and heaviest drones covered by the proposal could fly over concerts and athletic events and closed stadiums as long as attendees were notified but would not be allowed to hover over one section of the audience. I mean, uh, it's just it, They make it like they're going to stop them. It's ridiculous. Unnecessary. Just vote no on prop drone. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the New York tech scene uh, gets a big boost. New York City has a record low unemployment rate of 3.9%, and the local job market has no signs of cooling anytime soon thanks to a new tech hiring spree. In addition to companies uh, reporting an increased need for tech talent, Amazon and Google are planning to expand their office footprints and workforces in the city over the coming years. The influx of talent should transform New York into a hub for emerging technologies. Right, of course. Well, it should be. New York should be. It, it, it is the media capital of the world. It is the capital of the world. That's you know, it's New York. New York. If you can make it here, Karen, you can make it anywhere. Uh, it's up to you. Oh, All right, never mind. Stop. Let's move on. Americans gloomy about their finances. Oh, wow, this is very relatable. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for bringing it up. I was in a good mood. Yeah. Most Americans don't expect their financial situations to improve in 2019, according to a new survey from Bankrate. Of those who don't see their financials improving, 12% think their situations will worsen, and 44% expect things to stay the same. About half of those who see their finances getting worse blame the political leaders in Washington, D.C. Despite overall pessimism that the survey found, millennials reported being generally upbeat, with 59% saying they're... Expect finances will get somewhat much better in 2019. Sure they will. Here's the deal. Let's lower taxes because that's what's a killer. Or, you know, like Governor Jerry Brown did in California, raised taxes on the super rich and he turned a, like a $15 billion deficit into like a $20 billion surplus. Boom shakalaka. Yeah. So I'd vote for him for president. Right. Oh, wait. I'm not political on this show. Uh, never mind. Strike that from the record. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whole Foods scraps 365 expansion. Yep, what? I knew this was going to get you. That's why I put it in there. Whole Foods is scrapping a plan to open more of its discount mini stores as it continues to lower prices at its main locations, according to Yahoo Finance. The Amazon-owned grocer plans to keep the existing 12 Whole Foods 365 stores open. However, the stores largely rely on Whole Foods brands like 365 Everyday Value products. Company employees who have been working for 365 will be moved to other areas of the company. But they said they're going to keep the stores open. Yeah, they mm. always say that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Online gambling in U.S. illegal. It's always nothing's going to change. Wait a second. It's legal in Jersey. Um, the U.S. Justice Department now says all online gambling is illegal, reversing its 2011 position that only Internet-based sports betting was against the law. The new stance says the department's previous position was a misinterpretation of the 1961 Wire Act. Oh, God. 
they use these old things that have nothing to do with anything to to use them against new things. Right. What does a 1961 Wire Act have to do with internet gambling? Jesus, Louisa's. Okay, that's ridiculous. That's why. We, that's why, like us normal people, we hate the government because they're all full of it. They're all lining their pockets and they're all like making stuff up as they go. It's like, wait, we can't benefit from this. Make it illegal. They they always are making stuff up. Yeah. Always. Sheldon. Adelson, a billionaire casino executive, backed a coalition asking the Justice Department to reconsider its 2011 option. See, it's funny. All the casinos were against this stuff at first, but then I realized, oh, we can go online and make a lot more money. So let's let's make it legal. Everybody. Yeah, here's the deal about that, too, is online gambling. First of all, it's an addiction gambling, as you know. No. Yeah, yeah. I can stop whenever I want. Yeah. I yeah. bet on the show right now, over under is 54 minutes. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> anyway, now it's now it's in your house. Like you're, you're just kind of like roll uh, out of bed. I'm very happy that get a cup of coffee and start uh, gambling. I'm very happy I'm not younger me because younger me like to gamble. Oh, you were a gambler. I like to gamble. Like I, what gambler? Like like I like to go slots. I like to hit the like... tables. I like to bet sports. Uh, you know, like the normal single guy, no uh, expenses. You know, no kids kind of thing. Uh, you know, I'm going to Vegas this week for work and. uh I might play a little bit. Or I might throw a bet in on the fight that I'm going to be at, but nothing crazy. Just more, just for you know. See, my dad was a big one. And I don't my drink, dad... so this is like my drink. I'll take my dr- what would be drinking money, and I'll, I'll just make a couple wagers, or I might, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're not a drinker anymore. No, I never was a drinker. I th- oh, I thought you liked. No, the I never party. was. A, okay. I was a, f- a social drinker. I was yeah. never like. I, you know, here's how I define it. Okay. If you if you have like a bunch of alcohol at home and you're like, drinking at home. I feel like that's like uh, you're a drinker. I never, I never bought alcohol and had alcohol at home. Like, oh, you didn't like bottles of wine or a couple beers in the fridge. Very rarely. No, oh. I'm never like, oh, have some beers and watch the game. I'm going out. If I'm gonna have beer, I'm gonna go out, meet friends, and be at a bar and, and watch the game. I'm not gonna sit on my. I don't. I didn't need to feel the need to have a few beers and unwind on the couch like that was. Oh, never, okay. That was never me. Okay, no. but you're a gambler. <laughs> I like that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have I'm a trying problem. to fire them up. That's okay. No, that's fine. But it's really true. You can ask yourself this. And I have friends that have problems. If you're betting with money you don't have, that's a problem. That is a definite I was problem. always able to pay my, my debts. I was able to pay off my bets. I didn't bet what I didn't have. It's, some of those bets hurt. But, yeah, but yeah. I, but I paid them. So, you know, I have friends, you know, chasing it, like chasing the dragon. You know, I was like. Oh, I'm gonna go double or nothing. And when you make illegal bets on sports, which we did growing up because we had bookies, right? Like you're betting with money, you don't have to give them the money to bet. So when I'm in Vegas, I got to put the money down. Right, right, you know, right, it makes right. Makes a right. big difference. And now the the betting in, in New Jersey too. I haven't even gone yet. You know, my brother. Uh, we're talking about our other brother coming down to visit, and we'll like make a day of it and have fun. You know, but I haven't gone. You know, right? Oh my God, was this 20 years ago? I would have been like there. You know, first the week, day they woo! opened. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Another round, yeah. Oh my god, the 49ers are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. I've never been a big I you know what? I spent like a couple of years, like every month in Vegas working. And it, let me tell you something. I was out there so much. I am not a big gambler. I'm never really I, I get very I get huge high anxiety trying putting money down and knowing it's going to be lost. But there's a guy. Positive. Yeah, there's a guy standing at the table one time, and I was watching roulette, and I was just messing around the red, black, red, black, doing that because I didn't know how to do it. So I was just hanging out there with a couple bucks, and um, this guy walks up to me, and he's talking to me, and he's really nice, and he's got these other two guys with him, and he's like, puts down thirty thousand dollars in chips, and says to me, "Pick a number," and I said, 
Oh, no, dude. Thank you. No, <laughs> I'm not interested. You should have picked the number. No, because I so totally did not want this guy to lose his money. Because I was like, no. He obviously but didn't he, care. No, he didn't care. He threw it down and lost it. Um, best bet I ever made. Uh, I put 100 bucks and I, I did this online. Online in 2001, I made a bet. Uh, and for my stepfather, I put 100 bucks for him, too. We bet a heavyweight fight, 15 to 1 under, underdog, and he knocked Lennox Lewis out. Oh, we won fifteen hundred each. Whoa! And I was at a bar watching that with Lennox Lewis fans, and I, I went crazy. It was so awesome. Whoa, that's a good one. Yeah. Good one. Best bet I ever did was I was in Vegas working all the time, and they would really give me the business because I wouldn't play anything. I wouldn't do anything. We went to the airport. We were sitting, and our flight was delayed, and so I put a quarter in the quarter machine and won five hundred. Wow! <laughs> I know. Oh, it was like that's a turn. I used like I, I put like like it was a total of like seventy five or a dollar. I was at a bachelor like, party. Bam. My friend hit like four out of six spins. We're all watching him. He won like fifteen thousand dollars. We're Are like you right, b- right before we were going to the airport. Yeah. Oh my god. He just like kept doubling the bet. You know, like he, he hit twenty dollar number, then he bet fifty dollar number, and like he yeah. Oh my! We're Wait, like, what uh, do they do? Do they how did they write him a check? Thirty five to one. No, he he got the chips. He cashed out. Oh my god! Yeah. Did you have the best trip ever then? No, that was like, on the way home. No, I was oh. pissed. I was like, why don't I go on? Those numbers. Well, we want to thank these three fabulous, powerful, amazing women. Of course, um, Dr. Jeanette, she's amazing, emergency room and family doctor. We, we just loved her and everything she had to say. Her sister, Jacqueline, a, you know, former beauty queen and children's author, and their amazing, amazing, beautiful mother who they just brought here. And it was really going to be Dr. Jeanette's interview but she really wanted to honor her mother and her and her sister and they did an amazing job and her mother is one tough mother no, so hi sure. we thank you so much for coming as well in the meantime let's go to mother says and and this is for these three women that were here mother says today is no matter what people think about you always keep singing your own song so remember that no matter what people think it doesn't matter what they think it matters what you think Always keep singing your own song. Another big show next week. We can't wait to talk to everybody. And in the meantime, watch out for the blockbuster storm that's coming this weekend. I know. Everybody be safe. Have a great week, everybody.